we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, the first thing that is in order is to wish everybody a wonderful and, uh, wow, 2023. I, I never thought we'd be saying that, I guess, but uh, we, we do say that if we're, if we're blessed enough to uh, continue to live in this life, don't we now? Well, Happy New Year to everybody here. What a big news program, big news week, a lot to talk about here. We'll get started as Malcolm Out Loud here. Welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. And along with my co-host... Dr. Peter McCullough. So a lot of hot news. We're going to start with one of the biggest stories in the nation right now, and that is this collapse of Damara Hamlin, uh, the Buffalo Bills safety, 24-year-old guy. Uh, and this was the uh, Monday night football game that everybody's aware of. And uh, uh, so he collapsed. Uh, you know, there's a lot being said today about this. He's in critical care as we speak here. We've seen a number of these, Dr. McCullough, these athletes and people just collapse. And what are the signs? And I mean, we know this guy was boosted. I understand. Now, do you have information? I understand he was boosted like a week or so before this happened. Do we know that to be true? I'm not sure if that is uh, accurate at this point in time. I think it's fair to state that his vaccine status is unknown. The NFL does have a vaccine mandate. <clears throat> so well, isn't you know, it true that everybody has to be vaccinated in the NFL? I mean, that's a fact, isn't it? I mean, it is true that there's a mandate. There's also true that there's well-documented cases of people who have refused to take the vaccine. In fact, one of his teammates on the Buffalo Bills, Cole Beasley, former Cowboy star, has refused to take the vaccine. So we know not, not everybody has taken the, the vaccine in the NFL, but they're under a mandate and it's a reasonable assumption to conclude that the majority of people did take the vaccine. And here we have a situation where in the backdrop of many athletes dying on the field mm -hmm. worldwide, this is very, uh, very important that, uh, and this is recently in the peer reviewed literature. So I wanna give you this exact citation, a paper from first author Polycretus, and the second author is me, uh, the title of the paper in the peer-reviewed literature is Rational Harm-Benefit Assessments by Age Group Are Required to Continue the Vaccine Program. And here we make it very clear that before the vaccines, Malcolm, in these European soccer players and rugby players, and there's a lot more of those than NFL football players. Okay, right. this is, you know, that's big. You know how many deaths that occurred per year in before COVID out of that universe? 29 cases per year. And virtually every case in our paper, it was known heart disease. It was known congenital abnormalities, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, anomalous coronaries. It's a known phenomenon. Since COVID-19 vaccines, do you know how many have had a cardiac arrest? 1598, 1598, 1101 of them, it's fatal. You're talking you over a thousand. Over a thousand fatalities. So when these cardiac arrests happen, and there's montages of these mm -hmm. in Europe now. So 
Well, that's, you know, the, that's an it, epidemic there, brother. Yeah, that's it, it's, crazy. Just, it's not even close. So it's not even close. So our suspicion is, especially mm-hmm. in Europe, where uh, things are so dictatorial, that in fact, the vaccines could be related to this subclinical myocarditis and cardiac death. Now we fast forward to the United States. You know, the first athlete who died of the COVID-19 vaccine was Hank Aaron, retired baseball great. He takes the vaccine in January of 2021. He dies a few days later. There's two separate press releases. And since that time, we've had the reports of high school athletes, college athletes, some proven, some not proven. Uh, There's been uh, retired professional football players. Uh, In fact, one has just come up uh, uh, yesterday, uh, I believe just before uh, the Buffalo Bills case, where uh, this player, his name was Uchi Naweri. Um, he uh, was uh, you know, previously calling uh, out anybody who didn't take the vaccine should be in prison. He was uh, wow. playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, former NFL player. He dies at age 38. And so, you know, we have these cases. So the the case in point here is uh, a a player. And I was watching the game. It was Bills versus Bengals. Uh, There's uh, a a kickoff and there's a run back. Mm -hmm. And this uh, young Buffalo Bills player, 24 years old, makes the tackle. And there is, you know, a head and neck collision, uh, not unlike any other hard tackles uh, in professional football. And then he gets up, he claps his hands like he's, you know, made the big play in in celebratory. And then he passes out backwards, just completely out. Mm -hmm. Uh, CPR is uh, performed. Uh, We're told that defibrillator pads were put on. It's an AED. It's called an automatic external defibrillator. And so, these AEDs have their own rhythm detection algorithm. So it doesn't take physician judgment. They have to get up under the breastplate of the, the football pads, which is a bit of a challenge, but they, they did it pretty quickly. And we're told that it had to be a shockable rhythm. So either ventricular fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia. And he was shocked. And in fact, he came out of that abnormal rhythm and had a pulse. Mm-hmm. He, uh, during this period of time, did receive CPR. Uh, invariably, he was put on the mechanical ventilator, at least intubated, and then mechanical bag valve, and then mechanical ventilator. Uh, it, and all this is on the field. So everyone's watching. And it, you know, it seems like the time is forever going on during this. But it turns out uh, that I, in my judgment, it was pretty, pretty well done. Uh, everything appeared to be executed uh, perfectly. There's a prior paper to quote. First author is by Richard Thompson. And I'm the senior author on it. And we analyzed who survived these cardiac arrests and neurologically intact and who wasn't, Malcolm. And one of the uh, key factors was the resuscitation time. Right. And we, we reviewed 10 years of data in Southeast Michigan, a mm-hmm. huge study. And we found the critical number was 22 minutes. That was immediate. Yeah. And he was well within that 22 minutes where he got everything done, got shocked. Uh, in fact, uh, he was in the paramedic uh, unit and they were in the tunnel of the stadium. And he must have been stable enough where they waited for his mom. And his mom came out of the stands. They called her. She got on the paramedic unit and they went to... University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he is today. And the updates we have today is that he's still on a mechanical ventilator. And it's not uncommon 
that the brain doesn't wake up right away. Mm -hmm. There's a condition called anoxic encephalopathy, where right. there's been a period of time during CPR, the brain has not, not got enough blood flow and the brain is shocked. But it's been my experience in cases like this, that when the resuscitation is prompt, he's a young, healthy person, right. uh, he's, he's, he had what's called a return of spontaneous circulation, that he should survive. Now, the question is, what's going to be the degree of neurologic survival? We should know in the next day or two. He's either going to promptly come back and he's going to be in great shape, or there's going to be some brain damage. Now, the secondary issue is, uh, what about you know what's caused this? And I can tell you, no matter what the cause, whether this was the mm -hmm. vaccine or a prior undetected heart problem, right. uh, it's possible it still could be a spinal cord injury or a head injury affecting the heart. Uh, there's been conjecture that it was such a, a strong blow. A condition called commodio cortis uh, has been mentioned. And, and I can tell you, there are about 30 cases of that condition. That's when there's a strong blow that's hit right mm -hmm. on the breastbone. In commotional cortis, about 20 to 30 cases a year, they're almost exclusively in young kids playing baseball. And when a line drive is hit back and boom, it hits the un unprotected breast breastbone of a child and puts the kid into cardiac arrest. Commotional cortis, based on this tackle, I thought about it for a second or two, uh, and I was uh, communicating with other doctors, the, the breast uh plate of the shoulder pad is so substantial mm -hmm. uh, that I think it's be, be almost impossible for this to be commotional cortis. So I think in the differential is COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis, a small mm -hmm. scar, and this adrenaline of making the big tackle was enough that it was he was the wrong person at the wrong time. He goes into this ventricular tachycardia, ventricular fibrillation event, gets defibrillated, and there he is now on the mechanical ventilator seeing if the brain function will come back. Also in the differential, could have been a blood clot that shot to the heart, be unlikely to be a shockable rhythm. Spinal cord or head injury, we've already covered. And then other things. I mean, if he didn't take the vaccine, what else could cause a cardiac arrest? He could have an inherited uh, cardiac arrhythmia, a genetic one that wasn't previously detected like long QT syndrome. So all of this has to be worked out. I can tell you the reason why this is such a big deal is because it happened in front of a national audience. That's right. That's right. And that's the difference. And, you know, in an unprecedented move, they suspended the game, Malcolm. And all the commentators have said, listen, they've never seen this before. Well, that's the first thing that got my suspicion, actually, because you just said it. They never suspend a game for any injury. Or I mean, there's been some serious injuries on the field, Peter. And I've never recalled them suspending a game like that. Have you? I've never seen it. We, we've never seen it. And they had so many. So why would they do on, that one? Why would they do that one? Why? Well, you know, I think it had to do with CPR. Uh, it was unclear if he was going to live or die on the field. Yeah. And I think that what was so notable about all this mm -hmm. is that no one stated it. None of the commentators on ESPN or any of the channels right. stated it, right. but they were all thinking it. They were thinking, boy, could this really be due to the vaccine? Well, you, you think they were thinking it. We really don't know. But that's the point. Nobody ever leaks this information out. Now, you just mentioned the, the crowd. All right. So a Monday night football game has about 15 million viewers. So this is like a, a spotlight. This is a spotlight put on that moment. Now, the suspicion to me whether they were thinking or not, the fact that they suspended a game, I mean, 
listen, I mean, all kinds of injuries happen on the field. You know, you take the player off, you take him to the hospital, you do what you got to do, the game goes on. So the first trouble point to me is they had to know something more, Peter. The fact that they were suspending the game, that to me is a smoking gun. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I think that's a smoking gun that they knew what they were dealing with. They knew this was possibly could be very well death. And I think it very well attributes to what you've outlined here with the vaccines, quite frankly. I got to tell you, I've never. it's unprecedented and you have to wonder i mean people have been saying this in our circles what is it going to take right to finally be the tipping point to tip this whole discussion about vaccine safety certainly myocarditis cardiac death what's called sudden adult death syndrome what's going to be the tipping point people have said well maybe you know it's going to be somebody very famous uh, some person who's already more famous than somebody else who's died and it's hard to imagine i never really thought that it could be monday night football End of the season, two teams uh, vying for first place in the in the AFC, and on prime time, first quarter, boom, and it's just right, right, right there. I mean, this wasn't on the sideline; it wasn't the cameras were right on this. Right, right. And but but, but here's the thing, Peter. Now, uh, you know, I started reading the reports right after this happened, the hours after, the next day. And all of the reports were no mention, like you just said, there was no mention of anything related to COVID vaccines, anything of the such. Now, to be sure, I did see multiple reports that he was vaccinated. Now, I I don't have proof of that to say to you that uh, conclusively, but these are many of the reports. I'm sure you've seen some of them as well. But but forget that. I mean, speculate or not, it it seems like it's pretty obvious most of them are, or they don't allow them to play. Or I I don't know how some get out of it and some don't. You say a couple have exemptions because the NFL was very hard on this. They, they, there was, I didn't see any movement at all with their demands that people get vaccinated. You know, it was pretty serious, right? And, you know, let me just respond to that. You know, the NFL had a mandate. Yeah. Big time. Uh, but Big I, time. I think a notable case was Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone thought he was vaccinated until he got COVID. And, and then people are saying, wait a minute, you know, how do you do this? And he goes, well, I didn't take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, the case of Aaron Rodgers led to the conclusion that some players must have some form yeah. of right. a, a non-disclosure where they kind of go along with the vaccine talk, but right. they kind really not nod their head like they got it, but they right. really didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They really but but he, here's the thing. Yeah. This yeah. is what I think really where this case can make such a big, big difference. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what it is, is if the Bill's doctors the the current University of Cincinnati Medical Center doctor and his family come out and say, yes or no, did he take the vaccine? Right. This is really the moment of truth. The entire nation is watching this. Uh, this is going to be a, 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 on every single TV show throughout yeah. the yeah. week. It's obviously on our program now. Yeah. Uh, this is the time. And the question is, is the yes, no on the vaccine, is this going to be concealed yet again on exactly. the Exactly. And that's exactly my fear. They conceal it. So when you say, you know, people are waiting for the big case or somebody really super famous or whatever it is, okay, it's Monday Night Football in this case, 
what will it take? Well, what will it take is that uh, they hide it incessantly. So I started to see reports, as I said to you, and you've probably seen many as well, the, within the, the day, day and a half after, that state the fact that, uh, okay, uh, it's probably, you know, nothing or it was a very natural event or something happened. So let me talk to you about that natural event a moment, Dr. McCullough. Right? So let's look at this. 24-year-old healthy guy. Now, let's be clear of a couple of things. To be able to play in the NFL – they, you, your, your body is mapped out like no other. You have to go through a rigorous program of testing to be at that professional level because the impact of your body and the hits is serious. So they know your body in and out. And I would venture to say a couple of things here. If, you know, he was, uh, uh, I mean, I'm going to say to you and you tell me if this is accurate, but I think he was blessed that this happened on the field because if that happened later in the evening or somewhere else, he potentially could have died without all that life-saving equipment and expertise right at the fingertips. Is, is that a true statement? Boy, isn't that an important observation? I haven't heard anybody say that, but you're right. Probably the best place to have a cardiac arrest is right there in full view of everyone else. They, the resuscitation was a prompt. And uh, again, the vaccine status, this is the time, I think, where it's not up to us to guess or decide if you took a vaccine. Uh, I, I think whole America wants to see some honesty. Uh, this Everybody is thinking this. And now's the time for the family. The That's what I'm wondering right there, the organization, family. The doctors, for people to come out on this. And I can tell you, if they remain silent on this, on the issue of yes, no, on the vaccine, uh, it's going to be a giant issue. Now, let's just address the issue of what causes sudden death in athletes? Mm -hmm. What we know there is that the leading cause of sudden death in athletes is called, before COVID, is called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy mm -hmm. or an abnormal thickness of the heart. And this uh, is explosive. It develops after puberty. It's uh, detected in part by the physical exam, which uh, detects a murmur in about three quarters of cases, abnormal EKGs, and then cardiac ultrasound which gives the diagnosis, uh, echocardiography. And what's happened over time is screening programs start as early as in high school. Some high schools in the United States have voluntary programs. Uh, the country of Italy and Israel have mandatory screening of everyone. They, they, they do not allow any undetected cases. By the time you get through high school and certainly into college and then the pros, it gets more and more stringent. And have you ever heard of a player who gets picked up on waivers or gets traded and they quote, don't pass their physical? Let me tell you, they put these guys through everything. Yeah, yeah. And they do uh, stress tests, peak oxygen consumption, echocardiography, any abnormalities whatsoever. They do cardiac MRI. Uh, you know, in a paper uh, on the Big Ten, the college uh, athlete, uh, you know, division, just during COVID alone, they had a paper by Daniels and colleagues in JAMA. They had a screening program for myocarditis with COVID. And they put, you know, 1,500 athletes, they put them through uh, EKGs, echo, cardiac MRI, troponin. Believe me, these athletes are scrutinized. The chances of him having an underlying hypertrophic cardiomyopathy are, I think, negligible. He, he, you know, the chances of him having a genetic abnormality, something called... Um, Brigadus syndrome or long QT syndrome, I think low. And looking at this death on the field, it looks like the other deaths that I quoted from the Polycretus paper. It looks like looks no different than the soccer players we've seen go down.
Yeah. I mean, those videos that you mentioned, those images are very compelling when they stack those side by each. Man, I've seen some of those and I was absolutely floored. I'm talking about the number and the level of athletes, as you mentioned, around the world who've gone down on the field. I was stunned when I seen those. That was some time ago, actually, when those started circulating. So this has been going on for some time. But the most egregious thing is they continue to hide the evidence. Now, I'm wondering, as you just stated a moment ago, Peter, if the family will be courageous and give this information out to the public at the proper time. I mean, I realize they're, you know, right now in prayer, I'm sure, for their beloved son. And as we all are, hoping that he makes it through. But there's a point called honesty and truthfulness. And I want to ask you something else. You mentioned his brain, and I just want to circle back to that a moment ago. The fact that they had him pretty leveled off from the from point A all the way through, as you say, they called his mother over. She got in there, left with him. That's all true. Um, why would that I- impact his brain to the point? It wasn't like he was uh, uh, de- deprived for any long period of time of oxygen, that sort of thing. So what would cause the brain to be in question? What can happen during CPR is there is a sufficient period where the blood pressure is just not enough to the brain. So the brain becomes uh, stunned. Uh, There can even be uh, some swelling of the brain. It's common for him to undergo what's called a hypothermic protocol. So right now his body temperature is being cooled in the ICU. (laughs) And they may intentionally give him some sedation in paralyzation, what's called a medical coma, and right. just allow that what's called therapeutic cooling to occur, and then intentionally not let him up for a day or two and give the brain the best chance to recover. That's, that's what common. I saw. Yeah, that's what that's I saw. common. So you'll hear about a, uh, it's called a therapeutic coma. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm telling you, based on the research that I published with Rick Thompson, what I saw last night, and I watched every minute of it, I'm going to predict that he's going to recover. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to predict that he's going to recover, and uh, he's getting very good care. Okay. And uh, and you now that's a hopeful okay. prognosis. Uh, right. I could be wrong. It could right, be a disaster. Right, right, but, right, but, right. But you think the percentages are pretty good on his side then to get out through this? Wow. I, I give him at least a, a 50-50 chance okay. of of having complete neurologic recovery. Now that also means a fifty percent chance he's neurologically damaged, meaning that. Right. You know, he's not going to be able to do mental calculations or walk or or have other functions. This is really important. And I'll never forget when I was a resident at University of Washington in Seattle, one of our orthopedic residents, uh, African-American uh, young man, very bright, was playing basketball. And he had a cardiac arrest right during a basketball game. He was playing pickup basketball with his friends, surrounded by doctors. Paramedics came. Uh, they did all the right things, CPR, resuscitation, got back a rhythm. They brought him into the ICU. I know because I was the doctor who received him. And despite all this good care, he did recover, but he mentally was just not capable of being a doctor anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you, the chances of him regaining to play football, there's no way to know that right now. Right now, he's fighting for his life, clearly. Well, um, let's let's talk about that. So Even if he neurologically comes back and he's perfectly fine and musculoskeletal wise, perfectly fine, he's had a cardiac arrest. And whether it's due to COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or Brigada syndrome or long QT syndrome, almost certainly, Malcolm, he's going to get an implantable cardiac defibrillator. That's Mm -hmm. almost a certainty. So once that device goes in, that means contact football is out. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because anything could trigger that, right? Anything could be a trigger point. Right. Well, it's certainly a hard tackle could right. damage exactly. the exactly. could damage the unit, fracture the leads. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. uh, contact sports are not allowed. Now, interestingly, there's two national registries of athletes with various risks of cardiac arrest or have had cardiac arrest, and they've returned to sports. And as long as it's not contact sports, there have been swimmers that have come back, volleyball players. In fact, there's a notable basketball player who played for Northwestern, uh, lost his scholarship because of a diagnosis of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, got an ICD, and he was actually able to play in Division II basketball. Wow. So it, it, these registries are out there. They're very reassuring, by the way, that athletes with ICDs can come back to you know a, a very good normal life and even participate in sports. But I'm telling you, pro football, it's never happened where someone has an ICD implanted in the chest and it's it's under the shoulder pads in their plane. It's never happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is going to be uh, one to really watch, uh, and we absolutely pray for this young man. Uh, but let's hope there's some lessons learned, whatever they may be, from this event. Uh, and again, looking historically, uh, Peter, as we just say, the amount of athletes that have uh, really dropped dead around the world on this is massive in size and scope, not to mention how many more have been injured or threatened and but, you know, again, the sad thing about it is these leagues and these organizations, uh, they they not only pushed it upon the athletes, but they threatened their livelihoods, as they've done with everybody. And that's the sad state of life on Earth right now. And they're still doing it. They're still doing it. It's, it's well, sick there's, than sick. there's always a tipping point. Remember, Amen. for every single thing, you can think of all these inflection points in history, <clears throat> whether it be a... A starting of a world war, ending a war, an invasion, a, a resolution. There's always something. I guess the reason why we're spending so much time on this is, is the case of Damar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills, cardiac arrest on the field. Is this going to be the case where the family and the doctors come out and say yes or no, did they take the vaccine? And can you imagine a case where the, where the doctors and family come out and they say, you know what? He took the vaccine he has myocarditis, and the vaccine caused this. Can you imagine if that is what's going to happen in the next? You would think at some point, as you say, the the out loud truth would uh, would permeate the air, and we'd all get that. But you you would think, I mean, how how long and how hard can they keep this stuff a secret? It, it really blows the mind that they pulled this off at this point. It's pretty pretty wild. There's a lot more to talk about here on America Out Loud Pulse. I, I must get these other couple of things in here. I think there's some stuff that people really need to know, want to know. And this next one I want to talk to you about, uh, Dr. McCullough, is this new XBB.1.5 uh, variant. Um, it's being called experts worry that it could start a wave of new infections and reinfections. The new variant um, is spread in the, in the U.S. pretty, pretty strongly. It's got, uh, let's see here, 75 uh, percent of the new cases in the Northeast, which is typically, they say, the bellwether for the rest of the country. Uh, our experience in that, the end of uh, December 31st, just a few days ago, it accounted for uh, over 40% in the country, like I said, over 75 in the Northeast. Um, there's also a lot of talk, uh, and I'm seeing all kinds of reports in the past couple of weeks, I've been looking at these bivalent boosters uh, that uh, are very questionable. And although now they're pushing them, the New England Journal of Medicine says, if you have that, you have a better risk of 
with a booster, the bivalent booster, uh, that, um, you know, that it would fight these new variants is what they're saying. What's the truth to that? And how concerned are you or whatever for this XBB15? There's no theoretical data to support the vaccines would cover the newer variants beyond BA4, BA5, which on the, are the way out. And the there's, in fact, some studies suggesting that the antibodies don't cover it really at all. The current estimates are 94% of Americans now have either had COVID or they've been through it. And so everyone's going to be on their second infection. That's really what we're talking about. And there, uh, the second infection has a negligible risk for hospitalization and death, even among the most vulnerable. Uh, a recent data suggests, you know, the most vulnerable people in America are in nursing homes. And you know what, Malcolm, on the CDC website, you know, the rate of nursing home workers taking the bivalent vaccines is 10%, 10%. You know, the rate of nursing home residents taking it is about 45%. I got to tell you what, people are not buying no, the not. bivalent no. boosters, which, no. which failed in animal studies, have no human studies, and now there's emerging safety data on them. So no, I, I don't wouldn't consider them to cover the uh, most recent variants. Remember the CDC and FDA right now are the vaccine sponsors. They're executing the program. So they can't be trustable with respect to safety data. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to your point of the percentage, let me also tell you that you just mentioned 10% of the nursing homes, only 15% of the people in the whole country uh, over five have gotten this uh, bivalent uh, booster here. You mentioned this is the CDC numbers we're talking about. So that's a real number there. Uh, But here's what gets me on this. Now, we talk about misinformation, disinformation, fake news, call it whatever you want here. And the, as I just stated a moment ago, the New England Journal of Medicine, at one time, this was a publication that was gospel. I remember my mother and grandmother pulling that out and looking at things in that. By golly, it was a standard. And they're saying that people who received this updated uh, bivalent uh, booster are being protected against it. Uh, better protection against this XBB and whatever is being thrown out there than have not. That's what they're saying. So how, here's the thing. How many people, re- a lot of people see these studies. They read these reports in the publications and the media, and they really believe it, Dr. McCullough. And then they go and they get the shot based on this news that says you're protected. It's right here in black and white in the NEJM. What do you say to that? It's disturbing. It's the same New England Journal of Medicine that published a fraudulent paper on hydroxychloroquine, and they had to uh, they had to reject it. I mean, a, a fraudulent paper from the database that published on hydroxychloroquine. The New England Journal of Medicine paper was on ACE inhibitors, and the Lancet paper was on hydroxychloroquine. Right now, there's corruption. There's corruption in the medical journals. You know, anything that extols the virtues of the vaccines has to be questioned in the journals because the same journals are not providing any published information on safety. Right. So, right. You, it's, so it's not its fair balance. You, you know, let's take a different class of drugs. Let's say statins for heart disease. Mm-hmm. Well, there'll be papers in the Wing Journal of Medicine showing statins reduce rates of heart attack and death. Okay. But there'll also be papers showing statins have side effects. And so there's always risks and benefits. Mm-hmm. We don't have that fair balance on the vaccines. No, no, no. I mean, I see another report here. The Cleveland Clinic study tracked its healthcare workers that found the bivalent uh, vaccines reduced the risk of getting infected by 30 percent 
uh, while the BA5 uh, variant was spreading. But then the study goes on with a very small footnote. The reason might be that workers were more cautious, more likely to wear the N95 mask and avoid large gatherings, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all sort of a, a moot point or a smoke and mirrors game. You know, this particular uh, article I seen also in Time, uh, you know, Time uh, publication magazine there, uh, and, and this is where the propaganda comes from. I just, again, media, mainstream media, news, information, misinformation. They're the ones who invented misinformation and disinformation, McCullough. It wasn't us. It wasn't uh, It wasn't freedom fighters fighting for freedom and health and looking for facts and being honest. And, and by golly, we've been more than reputable. We've been very careful not to overstate things here on this platform here. But time ends it this way. They say avoiding infection is the best way to stay healthy in both the short and long term. To do that, follow all the usual advice, stay up to date on all those vaccines and those boosters, yeah, yeah. And wear a high quality mask indoors anytime you're there and avoid large gatherings. In other words, don't live your life, be screwed over twice, get all the boosters and hope you don't have a heart attack or some cardiac event and wear the mask or you look like a moron all day. How does that sound? Again, the recommendations can't be trustable. Remember, the vaccines are experimental genetic material or now with Novavax, the spike protein. There's nothing about the vaccines that make the human body healthier. Nothing. There's over 1,200 papers showing the vaccines cause disease. They cause damage, disability, and death. So they don't improve health. So this idea that it's on some website or some journal here, like it's elixir of life. Now exactly. Comes, exactly. It cannot be an elixir. It's not exactly. healthy. And, and listen, this answer this. It seems you have an answer for this question. This was a headline in the Wall Street Journal, and and, and very simple, very simple. Are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? Because you and I talked about this some weeks ago. So are they? You know, it's interesting. Wall Street Journal, again, one of the most biased proponents for COVID-19 vaccination is raising this issue. And I tweeted on this, Malcolm. I said, listen, this has wow. come out, papers by Venkata Krishnan, Neeson, Fahrenholt. I cited the data. They've concluded, of course, the vaccines have promoted variants. Anytime you give the same vaccine to the entire population, what's the virus going to do? It's going to mutate to get around the vaccines. That's exactly it. And I bought that. If you remember, I bought that point up with you, I don't know, a month or two ago. I knew it was happening. I also knew that I said to you, even if we had done nothing, we would, if they did nothing, whatever, we'd have been far better off than all of these vaccines, boosters. They've spread this out all over the planet and, and all of that. All right. Let's keep all that there. I know there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about China. We'll come back to that. But I want to get I want to first drill into this one question that a listener sent in here. And let me remind listeners here. This is a Q&A 52, uh, by the way, here with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and um, and yours truly here. So let me uh, read this to you from Peggy. She says, hello, uh, Malcolm, Dr. McCullough. I'm in Michigan. My uh, pulmonologist um, warned me today that a long period of Omicron illnesses, he uh, after a long period of milder Omicron illnesses, he has seen cases over the last two months of a Delta-like COVID. There have been a couple of deaths in patients in their 50s with no comorbidities. He said that these patients were vaccinated and these deadly infections were not repeat infections, but first COVID infections. He's saying that it seems there is some Delta still circulating. This blew my mind, by the way, this comment out there, and is even more concerned about what is heading our way in a few months from China. 
I am one who, like Malcolm's wife, narrowly escaped the ventilator with a Delta infection a year ago. I had double pneumonia and several blood clots in my lungs bilaterally. I'm just now gaining the courage to get off the Eliquis and venture out a little more to see my kids and grandkids. This news has set me back to fearing another COVID infection. What are your thoughts on these more severe infections popping up? Since I survived Delta a year ago, do I have protection from severe infection and death? Or how? Or do you have any information about the variants from China? I hope your answer will help allay my fears. What do you say to that? Super loaded question. Malcolm, tune into the McCullough Report this weekend. I have an exclusive interview with Dr. Yingming Yang. And let me tell you, I needed somebody who's got a lot of connections in China to understand what's going on. I am concerned about China being an incubator for new variants. And there's been a lot of news pieces out there. Remember, China has been widely deployed uh, 12 vaccines, eight heavily used vaccines. Most of them are using the killed virus, Sinovac, Coronavac vaccine. But let me tell you, China, the Chinese Communist Party says they've administered 3, million, 3 billion doses, 3 billion. They have about 1.4 billion people. So they're coming up on a lot of doses, a lot of coverage of the vaccines. Now, the Chinese vaccines largely are ineffective. Even the WHO doesn't have any impressive news on the vaccines. But the, the, thing, the reason why I'm concerned about giving the killed virus vaccine is we had data out of South America that the Lambda outbreak, which was brief, was actually spawned because of giving this Chinese vaccine that in a sense, the body's being bombarded with this dead virus that's allowing the virus to mutate. Now, you know, with failure of the COVID zero policies in China, COVID zero, they, they wanted to get to zero cases. They were, uh, you know, you saw newsreels of China, they're wearing hazmat suits and, and bolting the doors shut in buildings and, and awful things like this. They basically just gave up. And now it's like yeah. a, <laughs> a wildfire. And what I'm told is whatever we're hearing in China is an underestimate. So if they said 250 million or 500 million current infections, it could be double or triple that. But yeah. That's a big number. And it's unclear if they have early treatment protocols, do they even know about virucidal nasal washes, et cetera. Now, getting back to the question, here in the United States, um, we know that these second infections are characteristically milder, provided they're Omicron. And we haven't had any American data yet with the uh, most recent X variants. And what I've learned in China is there is a concerning story, not only for first infections to be fatal, but even second ones. And we just haven't seen that in the United States. So I think all bets are off. Uh, you, You probably are aware that there's travel restrictions. They're about ready to be implemented on Chinese traveling to Europe and the United States, but it's already too late, Malcolm because Chinese have been loaded on planes and they're traveling all over the world. So whatever's going on in China, the variants that are becoming prevalent in China will be seated across the world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. I, I wanna, we'll circle back more to, um, uh, to, to China in a little bit here, uh, but uh, I, I want to um, do this here. Let me just make one quick note here. There we go. Okay, all right, now, 
Dr. Li Mingyang is on the McCullough Report this next weekend, uh, friends. They've got an extensive uh, interview conversation uh, for sure, and and she is in the know. Uh, she's one of our experts at America Out Loud. We're blessed to have her. She's an amazing woman, and she does have that inside baseball information. So catch that uh, uh, exclusive report that uh, uh, on uh, two o'clock uh, Saturday or Sunday on the McCullough Report on the weekends here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Now. Let me take a pause here before we do take a breath here. I wanted to explain to you all, we, um, you've noticed we haven't had a host on Fridays uh, because Nurse Jody O'Malley uh, has launched a new program with these other amazing nurses, Nurses Out Loud, which plays 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, with an amazing uh, group of nurses. Uh, uh, each of those days, you'll get different ones. And these are nurses who who rose uh, uh, to prominence, I would suggest to you, through COVID. They stood w- with great courage in the face of these tyrants and pushed back against a system. And so that, that's who you're seeing at 10 a.m., Monday through Friday in the mornings. That show is a must-listen to, very passionate people, group of people. So I want to mention that to you. But I'm really proud to announce as well that we finally have the, uh, we were building on this, but uh, a new host on the Friday uh, broadcast, but it will happen on the 20th of January, will be the first Friday you'll hear them. And it is none other than, get ready for this, how about Dr. Harvey Reese joins us, uh, Dr. McCullough, on America Out Loud Pulse. How's that? Wow, superstar gentleman and a scholar, retired professor from Yale University School of Medicine testified with me on three occasions in the U.S. Senate. Uh, The listeners are going to get a real treat. He is really something else. And uh, to have him and you on America Out Loud Pulse, I will tell you right now, elevates this program into the stratosphere. It was already close to the stratosphere right there. But, you know, with the with the group we have here, it just blows it away. You know, I think you agree with that. Uh, It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so we have all that going on. I also would would it would be amiss if I don't tell you if you haven't heard the the Tom Rents show, you've got to listen. He is absolutely on fire. You all know Tom is an attorney. He wrote again. He rose to prominence throughout COVID. What a gentleman! Uh, and he really does it. And. I, 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 you have to hear him. You just have to hear him. That's all I can tell you. He's 6 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. It's a daily broadcast. Busy as this guy is, he's out there putting that out there every day. He covers the full spectrum of everything. But if you really want to get a hit of news of what's happening, the Tom Rent Show, 6 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. And at 7 is Dr. Paul Alexander, Liberty Hour. Of course, he which was with HHS, with the Trump administration. And he's a just a real gentleman. And he's doing a bang-up job at 7 p.m. Must listen. So that's two hours of an incredible programming uh, from 6 to 8 on uh, weekdays to tune in to get that. So I want to mention that to you as well. Uh, take a deep breath as we now launch into 2023. And I just want to read you, before we go to pause, this comment from these couple of comments just came in today. And I just wanted to share with them, uh, with you, especially that one from uh, Peggy I just shared with Dr. McCullough. This one's from Donna. Uh, uh, she says, a comment from a faithful listener. And, and I really appreciated this. And I'm going I'm to read it just because. She says, our family is so grateful for America Out Loud. We've been getting so many of these heartfelt messages, and it really touches my heart to see this. 
Malcolm, your deep commitment to truth, reason, and freedom are to be commended to the utmost. And thank you, thank you to all the hosts that bring such a wide range of knowledge, expertise, and honest curiosity to find and uncover the truth and share what they know. Our family has had their own journey through these past years to find truth and live freely and make informed decisions about our health. That's what this is all about, friends. That's why I want to share this with you. She said, I have to say thank you. Um, through uh, my gritted teeth, she says, to our Dracronian governor, uh, uh, Inslee, out of Washington State, who closed the churches and would not allow a drive-in-style worship for Easter back in the day when COVID hit. You remember those stories, Dr. McCullough? We covered them back then, remember, you know? And I, noticed, not- I noticed that she's gritting her teeth. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, people on the West Coast are doing that. There's a lot of moderate people on the West Coast. I did my residency out in Seattle. I've got relatives close relatives in California. Not everybody on the left coast is Marxist. No, no. they're not. No, we, we, well, stop there now. Full stop, Peter. I want to tell you something. We have an, we have an enormous listener based on the West Coast. Uh, just so you, I don't know if you're aware of that. California is one of our very top markets in the country, by the way. Okay. All right. So we got a lot of listeners that listen from the West Coast. And I think they really want, they seek truth. And that's kind of what she's saying here that Donna says. She says, Uh, I knew there had to be caring people in the know and with expertise out there and finding them became my quest. So she started out in a quest back in 20 and 21 to find this. She said she learned of America Out Loud. She started to tune in regularly. She said, what a blessing. Here was the clincher for me. Now get a load of this, Peter. Here's what she says. Then I heard Dr. Peter McCullough on your network for the first time and and in his calm, direct manner. I love that. Calm, direct man and everybody that knows peter knows yes all of that speaking with reason and cited every claim he presented and continues to do so to this day i knew there was help and hope to get the truth and regain trust in authorities with high standards and integrity i share america out loud with everybody and even hesitant folks and tell them to just open mind go listen and find it She ends it this way. I pray for evil to be stopped in its tracks and truth and justice to prevail and for people to hit the tipping point and determine that's it. I've had enough and join the fight. Dr. McCullough, I had to share that story from Donna that she starts a comment from a faithful listener. It really touched my heart. You know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Our work is meaningful. It's important. We are heavily scrutinized in terms of what we say. And I want our listeners to know that we take this responsibility very seriously, both you and I and everyone on the platform. Amen. We do. Absolutely. hundred percent. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is uh, about a week and a half ago, um, there was a lot of, and I don't know, you've seen this as well. Peter, there's a lot of stuff running around the country. I mean, the RSVP, the viruses, this, I mean, you and I've talked about it over the past couple of months. Well, there was a lot of sick people around with the holiday gatherings that came into my house, unbeknownst to me. My son had it. Peter, they were hacking and choking and I mean, lost everything. And I looked at my wife and I said, I cannot get this. I said, this is, now we have the atomizer blown over the the with the uh, uh, Genesis HOC. Oh, this is what a crazy guy I am. I doubled up the healthy cell, taking immune super boost twice rather than once. I did the Cofix RX every eight hours. And I said to Dee, I said, my wife, I said, I, I'm not getting this thing. I said, I don't know what they're all spreading around. They're all choking and hacking and coughing and puking, but yeah, I'm not 
getting it. Do you know I escaped it and I haven't been sick for five seconds? How do you like that, McCullough? Malcolm, I can tell you're kind of a germaphobe. You know, I, I, I'm basically a germ collector. You know, I'm on vacation in Colorado. I'm in a condominium. We have family in and out. Sure enough, another virus struck. It hit my wife's mother. <clears throat> then it hit me. Then it hit my wife. But we limited the damage by using these tools. Uh, certainly good vitamin supplementation. We we used uh, uh, Cofix RX, uh, uh, you know, very, very uh, um, liberally. The thing we didn't have is, we didn't have the Genesis fogger. And I can tell you in a in a cold weather and you're in a limited condominium, you know, you're a sitting duck. The virus is just circulating in the air there. And uh, boy, is this a good yeah. case to be made for decontamination with the Genesis fogger technologies. It really is, Peter. I'm, I'm, I sincerely, I'm telling you, I mean this with all, this is why we attached ourselves to these prominent, wonderful brands but products who the people who run these companies they truly care they're they're, they're christian people they they, they just want to help people that was the attraction back in the heat of this thing when delta was blown through remember we had those relationships early on and i've treasured them all the way through we, we've really been created great friends the, that's why i don't call them advertisers i call them uh, sponsored partnerships I, I look at them as partnerships but let me just tell listeners the the uh, Genesis HOCL, there's an atomizer that goes right on the shelf, stationary. That's what I have in the next room here. And it, and it puts a dry mist, the HOCL, the hypochlorous. So you're educated on what I'm talking about, please. That kills all the pathogens, viruses, you name it. It's going to kill it. Helps against mold, things like that. I mean, you can't beat it, friends. And you put the HOCL in, you dilute it. Uh, I think it's nine times. And anyways, it goes a long way. Uh, so that you get 15% off if you use the code out loud, 15% off, use the code out loud. Those banner ads are back at americaoutloud.com. Use them, go click on it, find out more. A lot of research there is scientific. They've done a great job with their sites, but go check it out and see what you think of that. New year, new attitude, all of us. Cofix RX every eight hours when there's anything around you that's that gets really weird, like people hacking and puking in the next room. Like I was going through last week. I said, like, hell, I'm getting that. I every eight hours I had that thing in both nostrils and squirting it up there. I said, you'll get it. I'm gonna kill that pathogen. <laughs> I was using that. You get 20% off the Cofix RX. I use the code out loud, click the banner ad back in America out loud. And last, my friends at Healthy Cell, I've got to get them in here. 25% uh, off the first order, use code out loud. Immune Super Boost, it's got the zinc, uh, the, the echinacea, the, the D, D3, uh, elderberry. You, you get the picture. And that's like a nuclear bomb for your body. You know what I mean? So I mean, you want to get that a couple of times a day. And I was hitting all of that. And I escaped it all, Peter. So I'm really blessed. I feel pretty good about it. But that's how you get the discounts. And it makes sense, Peter, right? I mean, come on. That's how it certainly it. does. You know, it's a happy ending in our party. Both uh, my wife's mother's nearly 90 uh, using Cofix Rx and using the vitamins and supplements. We had no, by the way, no antibiotics or any other prescription medicines. You know, it was self-limited. Uh, she got through it fine. I was a little worried given her age. Um, I just turned 60. My wife turned 60. We had a little bit more severe syndromes. But we got through it. And then finally, one person in our party is, uh, you know, he's kind of a germaphobe. He started to feel sick. He was using the Cofix RX. And you know what he did? He, he bombed out. He goes, listen, I'm getting out of here. I'm going back to Dallas. 
He went back to Dallas and I followed up with him. He goes, you know, he goes, I think I aborted the infection. I never really got it. Yeah. And, and two things. One, he was using the Palvadone iodine nasal spray, but also he got out of the continued viral exposure of our condominium. Yeah, yeah. The, the lesson here we're telling you, friends, is fight fire with fire. When that stuff's <laughs> around you, fight fire with fire. Get armed, man. Get armed. And I'll tell you what, I escaped all of it. I didn't have anything. Listen to my voice. I have no sniffle, no nothing. Perfectly good. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it works. Take my word. Now, listen, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm with the time we have left, I want to ask a couple more questions. I'm going to skip the pause here. We've done enough of that. But let me just uh, now ask you a couple other things here. And I do, we won't be able to do it today, but I had some uh, research and some stuff on China. We'll come back next week, and I do want to cover some things here. But don't forget to listen to Dr. McCullough's interview with Dr. Li Mingyan. I am sure that is very special uh, this coming weekend, okay, and uh, first week here in January, and you'll you'll hear that on the McCullough Report. Um, now, back to the uh, – let me get a couple more of these questions in. Uh, Kristen says – have you seen the Died Suddenly documentary? Are you aware of these uh, fibrous clots? Have you seen them or or that they are actually occurring at the frequency stated in the documentary? What's your assessment of that? You know, Died Suddenly is not a scientific video. I, I do appear in it, uh, you know, not by consent, but just, you know, former interviews that I've given it puts a big emphasis on blood clots and there have been fatal cases of vaccine induced blood clots. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think puts uh, less emphasis on the vaccine myocarditis as a cause of death. The very, very large blood clots that they are showing in the movie, I think most of them develop post-mortem uh, and that can occur with COVID-19, the illness with the vaccine or both. Uh, Normally, blood liquefies after the human body dies and it's drained out easily by the undertakers. And then there's a perfusate to preserve the body. Blood clots are forming now in general, given this mass exposure to SARS-CoV-2 and the vaccines. And it is disturbing. I have had people in my clinical practice with large blood clots and they have shot to the lungs. Uh, I've had a fatal case in my practice and they certainly are reported. Uh, in my substack. I have specific, specific cases. One is our favorite weatherman, Al Roker. Yeah. Al took three of these shots, developed COVID. Sure enough, he had a shower of blood clots this fall, recovered and had more. So the blood clotting is real. My big warning is to people, if you've already had blood clots, a genetic family history of blood clots, watch out with these vaccines. I, I think in that group, uh, the risk is prohibitive. Well, Al Roker, NBC News, who forced that on everybody. I mean, they're a Marxist uh, network. And uh, basically, uh, what they might as well, you know, Peter, they might as well walk through the NBC office and gave everybody a gun to play Russian roulette, you know? I mean, right. It's true. Well, remember, there was a video where he took his first vaccine very publicly. There was a young doctor there wearing a mask from uh, uh, New York hospital. And Al goes, is it safe? Is it safe? And he kind of sheepishly chuckles the doctor and says, yeah, it's safe. I even took it myself. And, you know, when people review historical films, when they review video, uh, and I do a lot of video, Malcolm, and you do a lot of radio and your voice is out there. I got to tell you what, when we look back in history, I want to be sure that I'm not that doctor who said it was safe. And then there's the patient developing blood clots a, a year later. Yeah. I'm very cautious. I'm very careful. And 
I, I want to be right. And I Peter, wanna... you've been you've been a saint through all. Come on now, you you've been you you I, I know you better than anybody on here, and you have been extremely diligent, entirely cautious, never overspeak. You ever need a witness? I'm here for you. Let me know what court I need to go in. Will you please? Okay. I mean, I've been here. I've been here, and I see you. And I've never known you to overspeak. You always play cautious on this stuff. Real quick, let me sneak this last one in on blood clots from Lisa. She said, "I keep hearing about the horrible blood clots and people who died. If the vaccine is causing this, should we be concerned about America's blood supply? I have a lot of vaccinated friends who give blood all the time. How does vaccinated blood affect an unvaccinated person?" Yeah, I've covered vaccines in my Substack, and a lot of people are disappointed with my view on this, but the title of it was Mission Impossible, Having a Separate Blood Banking System. Malcolm, it's too big. It's too complicated. It's too heavily regulated. It takes 24 by 7 maintenance of a blood banking system. What I've proposed is that we just have the American Red Cross, Carter Blood Center, uh, American Association of Clinical Blood Banking. They need to record who's taken the vaccine and when. Now they need to record who's had COVID-19 and when, and we need to understand that right now there's no recording of who's taken the vaccine and who hasn't. A freshly vaccinated person in theory could convey the COVID-19 vaccine to a recipient through a blood donation, but so few people are taking the vaccine right now. I think the statistical odds are low. And my advice is, listen, uh, if you're sick enough to need a blood transfusion in a hospital, I have a patient like that right now, they just need to take the blood transfusion. Blood transfusion is to save lives, and we're going to work on safety of the blood supply. Uh, you, you know, hopefully, as these organizations start to become res more responsive to the clinical call. Well, that's a great ending point right there. As they become more re responsible, uh, if that ever will happen, hopefully these folks are not reading Time Magazine or watching NBC News. And I say that to smugly, friends, because... Uh, the, the thing that's dawned on me here coming into the program today is the about the amount of misinformation out there that I've read just in the last day or two on these vaccines is off the charts. They haven't let go of it yet. Whether or not uh, Damar Hamlin and the case on that football game ever changes anything, we will see. I mean, that journey in chapter is still to be written here. Our friends, thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. We are on the move here to an incredible year we're going to have ahead with all of you on 2023. And we will keep the flame of liberty burning bright here. America Out Loud Pulse, always a beat ahead.